Hello and welcome to the One Football Podcast. So we are back with the podcast today. I am joined by Give Me Sport Women's Nancy Gillen. Great to have you back. How are things? Yeah, good. Uh, yeah, went went into the office today, so I'm feeling like life is returning to normal. And yeah, yeah, just really good. Rub it in whilst I'm sat in Berlin staring at four walls. Thanks. <laughs> and um, we're also joined with Manchester United Women's Supporters Club founder, Natalie Burrell. How's things in Manchester, Nat? Yeah, we're, we're sorry, but we're unfortunately open and had a good time on a Monday. So I just can't wait for more things to slowly open and hopefully a bit of normality soon yes fingers crossed so first up let's get cracking it has obviously been international week um and let's just get it out of the way we will talk about these england friendlies from last week and this week so it was a 3-1 loss to france and a 2-0 loss to canada oh my god i mean France were brilliant. I mean, they are the world number three side. And this was the first time that England faced a team that were ranked in the world's top 10 since March 2020, when, of course, they beat Japan in the She Believes Cup. Um, England are classed as sixth. Canada are ranked eighth. But obviously, they have won bronze at the past three Olympics. First off, how are you both feeling after those games? Because I am just like, hopes were so high. I don't know if it's through watching like the Women's Super League. And I don't know, I've been lured into this false sense of security that, like, I don't know, seeing how many England players in the Women's Super League have been playing so well. I feel like I've been tricked. Like, I've been lured into this false sense of security where I really was expecting some great things. Um, But, yeah, I'll get both your thoughts. Nancy, how are you feeling? Yeah, I think the same. Um, Quite disappointed. I think when... um, like Phil Neville went and, and we've got, obviously we've got um, Serena Friedman coming in later, but we've got the replacement in um, Risa. I think people were hoping because Phil Neville had gone, there might have been a kind of change in the way we were playing and improve results. And like you are saying as well, so many of the English players have been so good in the WSL this season as well. That, yeah, it's just been very underwhelming and quite worrying that, you know, Team GB will be competing in the Olympics in like a few months and just can't seem to get any kind of result, really. Definitely. Nat, how have you been feeling? Because I know you and I have both been down about Manchester United recently. Maybe we thought we could get a break (laughs) with England. They've not given us a break, have they? No, and I don't know whether it's, you know... Like you say, we all watch the Super League regularly. We see all the talent on display and it's, it's it was just, like you say, feels a bit let down. I don't know if there needs to be a bit of fresh faces now, a different way of playing um, that might sort of boost us a bit. Um, hopefully, you know, we'll add in some Scottish and Welsh players. It might, might look different um, for the Olympics, but it doesn't look great at the minute for England and I think major changes are needed. Definitely. Um, I mean, this was the first opportunity, I guess, for the manager, for Hager Risa, to kind of see where England are in terms of Olympic competition. And I guess if they really have made some true progress since last year's She Believes Cup. Nancy, what do you think she's thinking? (laughs) Should she be a bit concerned? Is she maybe thinking, I should not have taken on this job? (laughs) Yeah, prob- I think she probably will be a little bit concerned. Um, yeah, I think probably maybe she looked at kind of the team she was taking on and maybe thought it wasn't going to be as difficult. As Light work, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But then I suppose the past year has also been really strange and it, the France game was England's first proper international match, even though it was a friendly like match against a proper team for over a year or over a year. So I, I don't know if she is... If she is concerned, I think she probably will be able to kind of justify it with saying, oh, you know, they've only kind of just got back to international football and and with a bit of work, you know, maybe they'll be able to get firing again. So, yeah, I think she'd be a little bit concerned, but there's probably enough reasons for the bad performances that she can think there's, you know, they'll be able to improve in time. Yeah, definitely. I, I mean, looking at both games, really, it's safe to say that England did look vulnerable at the back. 
Um, we did see the chances going forward. I think with, with the game against Canada, they just couldn't really monopolise on those chances. But they did look vulnerable at the back, obviously. They're without um, the injured Steph Orton and Lucy Bronze in the France game. Of course, she did come back for the Canada game. Um, Nat, do you think that this is a good opportunity or this has been a good opportunity? I don't know if it's been good because we've lost both games, but... To truly see if, you know, Leah Williamson and Millie Brighton are up for the challenge or perhaps Lottie Wubamoy or Millie Turner. We saw some of these players make a couple of errors in the two fixtures, but do you think it it was a good opportunity maybe to see if they're up to it? Yeah, because I think, like I said at the start, it's it's the young players are going to take over, so they do need the chances. There's no point just sort of not playing them or not putting them in for these games that are friendlies, even if you are preparing to play, you know, Stefan um, uh, uh, and Lucy Bronze in the in the Olympics. I think, you know, Lottie will be my um, Millie Turner. These ne- girls need chances. They need to be playing international football and I'd start them playing now. I think Leah Williamson and Lotta uh, play for Arsenal. So I, that would have been a partnership I would have liked to have seen a bit of. Um, I think, you know, they're both young and they're both doing really well at the minute in the Women's Super League, less so Millie, but, you know, for me, she's done it for two years uh, for Man United. Um, you know, so those young players are what we need to see more of for England. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. Um, and I mean, talking about Steph Horton, she normally wears the captain's armband. She is 32. Um, maybe after the upcoming Euros, depending on how much longer she is playing um, and, you know, playing for her country. The armband could be up for grabs. Of course, Jill Scott captain the side in her 150th appearance against Northern Ireland in February. Um, it was Ellen White's turn against France. Um, Jordan Nobbs has won the armband in the past. Kira Walsh, um, you know, has captained Manchester City in their Women's Super League recently. Um, Nancy, who would you like to see as captain um, if Steph... Horton's not an option. Um, I think for me, and this might be a bit of my Arsenal bias coming through, <laughs> but I, for me, I'd I'd like to see Jordan Nobbs as captain. Um, I think she she is a you know great leader on the pitch, um, and kind of Jill Scott and Ellen White. I think they are coming like Steph Horton. They're coming towards the end of their England career, so um, I think we need a, a captain that is experienced like Jordan Nobbs, but then is also young enough to kind of take the team through that transition of, of a lot of the older players leaving and newer players coming in. So I think because of that, it, it should be Jordan. Yeah, I mean, I, I would probably agree with you. I think definitely whoever it is, we need to kind of get out of this maybe group of players that are getting closer towards, you know, the end of their careers, maybe for their country. Um, and I, I definitely would like to see somebody maybe a little bit younger uh, with that opportunity. Um, I mean, that... Looking at goalkeepers, um, Ellie Robert was in goal against France. Her performances for Manchester City, um, especially in their Champions League quarterfinal fixtures against Barcelona, although they did go out, you know, she managed to hold her own at times, you know, against a team like Barcelona. Do you think that this will have helped her claim for the England number one jersey? For me, yeah. I think, you know, like you say, young players, she's a young player. We should be building it all around her. She should be the number one. There should be no kind of debate. She is, you know, I think probably head and shoulders the best keeper in the in the Super League. So why are we not putting her in confirmed definitely as England's number one? I understand, you know, experienced and, you know, we saw um, Karen Bardsley and Carly Telford and I understand that. But for me, I think... You know, games like Barcelona, that's where Ellie's getting all her experience. So, for me, in the Olympics, she's that out-and-out number one. And I'd bring in Sandy um, McIver as well from Everton um, to be that number two for her. Yeah, um, I mean, Risa has called up, you know, Carly Telford and Karen Bardsley, who are both experienced keepers. Um, you know, there's... Uh, Sandy McIver that you've just mentioned there, Nat, um, who has earned another England selection ahead of Birmingham's Hannah Hampton. She's been informed that she will not be going to the Olympics already. Bit brutal. Um, Nancy, uh, Roebuck has featured in every one of Risa's squads so far um, and her place definitely does seem a given. Um, who would you have joining her? 
Yeah, I'd definitely have McIver as well. Um, I think the I think it's been a bit bizarre that the that four keepers were named in in this squad for this international window. If, I think that's a bit excessive, and it just yeah. kind of like took a place for someone, maybe an outfield player that should have been there. Um, and I don't because the Olympic team is only eighteen players. I don't think they need any more than two keepers. I think otherwise it's a bit silly. So um, yeah, I think Telford and Bardsley are it, they are experienced, but I, I think you need to kind of like we, we've been saying, kind of bring up the the young players and have uh, McKeever there. I think it makes makes the most sense. Yeah, I, I, I'd I'd agree with you both on that one. Um, now, looking about, you know, people that have been in and out of the squad, the, there's Beth Mead. She was omitted from this first squad. The explanation at the time was that her player report hadn't been great. Obviously, she later joined the squad uh, for the friendly um, against Northern Ireland after Frank Kirby dropped out due to injury. Um, she didn't feature. It seems like she has still managed to impress the coaching team to an extent. Nat, do you think that she's out of the woods now regarding if she will be considered for the Olympics? Um, it's it's fifty fifty. I think you know she's she's you know she does good numbers. She plays well for um, Arsenal. I think she needs to keep it up. Any other friendly, she needs to keep it up. But you know when we're talking about young player, obviously she's a young player. But I, I mean I'm going to show my Man United bias now. But I'd like to see a lot more of Ella Toon. Um, and I like to see her and Stanway and um, all, you know, Hemp being called up as well, um, seeing a lot of those players. But I think in terms of Mead, she can be confident if she finishes well, I think, to the end of the season, because potentially she didn't start that great. So um, now Arsenal in a bit of form, and if she scores some goals, she might get more chances. Would you second that, Nancy? Yeah, I think so. I think... Um... Yeah, I think she's just got to stay consistent and just, yeah, it's such a competitive squad that you just have to be on absolute top form. Um, and there's just so many, I think, if you know, if she if she was dropped out for, say, Hemp or someone like that, I don't think I could really argue with it. So, yeah, I, I mean, I don't envy Risa at all. This is such a hard choice. <laughs> it is. It is a really hard choice. Um and I mean, you know, finally talking about England, the Lionesses have now lost nine of their last 14 internationals going back to the 2019 World Cup. This could maybe suggest their issues go beyond maybe, you know, injuries or match fitness and stuff like that. Um, and I just wanted to get your thoughts on what the issue is here. Um, because I do you would you both necessarily agree that it is that there's a lot of choice of players. It's difficult to maybe find out who your most solid starting eleven is. Um, there's there's a lot of different things going on. Um, so do you, or and also you know what we've discussed just now about how there are maybe some players that need to take a little bit of a step back and maybe see some more young players being given those chances, especially now as as much as we want to do well in the yeah. Olympics. You know the main goal is you know the euros as well um but yeah like Nat what do you think the issue is here would you agree with that 100% I mean I when I started obviously watching women's football I watched a lot of the England youth team because I think Man United was very young and we had a lot of the youth players um and I want to see people like Ebony Salmon, Lauren James, Ella Toon not just Man United ones but like I said a lot of a lot of Ruben Moy, um Hemp, Kelly these players I think that's what it is a bit I think it's the older players they've done so well Jill Scott Steph and you know to an extent Lucy Bronze we need to see some of the young players and I think we're seeing this uh, international window the teams that are young Spain Germany they did so well but yeah the older teams you know USA they're a great team but they struggled a bit versus Sweden and Sweden are a young team as well and I think there's phases in football and I think it's time to go into that new phase, that new chapter. I'm not saying that, you know, cut cut experience out totally. It's just there's players five or six that should be getting called up regularly, playing, and we're not seeing it as much as I would like to see anyway. What about you, Nancy? Yeah, I agree as well. Um, I think there's just a lot of kind of the old guards and the old system which was under Phil Neville, um, I think 
for whatever reason it you know it, it did start to go wrong with Phil Neville towards the end of his time as manager and I think that kind of you know that system is still in place like I don't think that's necessarily been shaken up like the the teams that were put out against France and Canada seemed exactly like the, the type of players the exact lineup that Phil Neville would have picked um so I don't think there's been enough of a change and and yeah I think just getting the youth in there and I think, for instance, like Lauren, Lauren Hemp was by far the best England player across both of those matches. And it's because she is young and she's got that confidence to just, you know, run at players. Um, so I think it's just about having those players that are not afraid to kind of shake things up a bit. Yeah, definitely. Um, and, and I think I just want to see us move on from this kind of Phil Neville situation because, you know, don't get me wrong, you know, was respect where it's due for him um maybe for what he did in his playing days but I never really understood why he was hired in the first place because he's not really got the CV that I'm looking at apart from being um recruited by you know uh his old teammates or his brother to help them out or at Everton I, I don't really get it anyway no hate on him or anything but I'm really excited about this new phase and once we get past the Olympics and basically once we have a manager that um is worthy if I'm being completely honest um yeah. but uh, looking at some of the other international games um Nat you touched on it a little bit there Spain um they faced the Netherlands in a friendly match that ended in a 1-0 victory for La Roja the Netherlands are ranked fourth in the world. Spain are currently 12th. Um, Nancy, were you surprised just to see kind of like how impressive Spain were or when you realised that the starting 11 featured eight Barcelona players and they're absolutely flying? <laughs> Maybe not as surprised. Yeah, I think um, I, I don't think I was too surprised. I feel like Spain has, have been one of those teams that for the past few tournaments, everyone's kind of always said like they're the dark horses, like they're the ones like watch out for them because they will be good. And I think they've always had a few, like a few players who have been really standout. But now obviously they've got that core that are at Barcelona that have just completely dominated this season and, you know, have shown when they beat, how well they beat City, that they are kind of probably one of the best teams in the world. Um, so I wasn't too surprised, um, but I, the Netherlands are a good team. So, you know, it was still impressive that they, that they beat them. Yeah, it was. I was, um, kind of the same, like when I've looked and obviously they, they beat Mexico as well, three nil. Um, you're kind of like, you know what? Good for Spain. You're a little bit surprised, but then when you look at that team, you're just like, well, yeah, that's what they should be doing. Um, I mean, um, Patricia Guijaro, she got the goal. Um, she also scored a brilliant bicycle kick um, in training, which I saw in a video on the OneFootball app. Um, she had to withdraw because she had, I think it was described as an abdominal muscle injury. Um, now, she's not necessarily one of the big, big names that we associate with goals in that Spanish national scene because there are so many great goal scorers. But Nat, do you think that she is one to watch for the future as she is only 22 years old? Yeah, like like I've said, um, investing in the youth, putting it all in. She's a Barcelona player. Um, she played for the Spanish uh, under-20s and she was the golden boot winner and she scored some great goals back then. So for me, I think... Spain are sort of doing it that right way. Uh, you know, their the youth teams are good, the youth teams are building, and now the youth team is sort of flourishing in the first team. And um, like what uh, Nancy just said, they're going to be one to watch. They are going to really, I think, smash it in the Euros. Yeah, they they look quite frightening. Um, I mean, the Netherlands really struggled. Spain had 20 shots, the Netherlands had one. Um, now, of course, they did win 5-0 against Australia. But, Nancy, what do you think went wrong for them in this game? Is it just a case of bad luck? They were just not the better team? Maybe they were a little bit stunned by Spain? What do you reckon? I think maybe a mix of everything. Um, I think when you when you look at the lineup that they put out, and, you know, there's Miedema, Rod, uh, Van der Donk, uh, Jackie Gronen, you know, that was, that was such a strong team that, I think it's quite surprising that they didn't score and they kind of struggled in an attacking sense. Um, but I think the fact that they then went on to beat Australia shows that it was probably maybe just an off day. It just, you know, just didn't happen for them for whatever reason. 
and then, and like we said as well, Spain are a very good team. So, yeah, maybe maybe it's more a, a kind of reflection of how good Spain are at the moment. Yeah, I, I think so as well. Um, Nat, do you think the fact that their manager will be departing after the Olympics to head to England, do you think that could be playing a role um, in maybe some of their games where they've not been as good? Um, or do you think that that doesn't really come into it and everyone is still you know, being nice and professional and everything? I think everyone's being professional, but I do think it's going to be having an impact in that they've not announced a new manager. So, you know, the Olympics is going to come and go. And, and does anyone know where, you know, the kind of direction they're going in? So I think definitely that's having an impact. And obviously, I'm going to sort of say it at the same point, youth, they need to bring more young players through. I mean, those names that Nancy mentioned, they are still young. You know, Jackie's not old, Viv's not old, but, you know, you do want the more experience with the more young guns. I mean, we sort of see it with um, Newaker, I think her name is, in the centre-back who plays for PSV. She's a young 20-year-old defender, but I want to see more young attacking and more young midfielders for um, the Netherlands. I know they've got them. They just need to sort of probably add them in. And with Serena probably going, she's probably sticking to what she knows. So, you know, when they announce that new manager, then I think you'll see a different Netherlands team. Yeah, you got a good point there. Maybe we will. Um, I mean, ahead of the Euros next year, if this Spain team continues progressing at the way that they are, Nancy, do you see them, I won't say winning it because we're a way off yet, but do you see them having a successful campaign? Yeah, I, I think so. I think, um, you know, maybe there'd still be dark horses at the time, but I think maybe they've got to the stage now where people will be kind of seeing them as, yeah, maybe not winning, but kind of in the top four um, likely to win. Um, I think especially if Barcelona go from strength to strength and the Spanish league is uh, turning professional from next season, so that they're going to have probably quite a good pipeline of uh, Spanish players coming through now and that are kind of, you know, have access to full-time training and, and stuff like that. So, yeah, I think definitely one to watch for sure. Yes, I'm sure at some point we will get um, Alejandro on and see what he's got to say. Um, you know, seeing not only his own Real Madrid players playing so well, but the Spanish national team, I am sure he is chuffed. Um I mean, before we close the book on the international games, a big, big shout out to Northern Ireland, um, their women's team, who beat Ukraine 2-0. I think it was 4-1 on aggregate in their Euro 2022 playoff fixture. Um, they're celebrating the country's first ever qualification for a major women's tournament. Um, and for those who maybe aren't up to date with their knowledge of the Northern Ireland women's team, um, to put it into context, you know, the national team was only reformed in 2004. Um, it was disbanded um, around like the around the millennium. Um, Northern Ireland's rise, kind of from the ashes to making this history in the space of you know about seventeen years, it's absolutely brilliant. Um, now, how important is this win for Northern Ireland? Oh, it's massive! It's massive for like home nations to all be up there and you know having another. Uh, home nation side in the Euros. It's not just England. I mean, we were disappointed when Scotland didn't make it and obviously Wales. So Northern Ireland sort of flying that flag as like another home nations team. And a lot of them players play across the, the Super League and Championship. So it's great for, for English you know, domestic football as well. And, you know, inspiring a generation of talent in Northern Ireland. You know, we saw with Scotland making the first Women's World Cup, how much it did for them. So... Uh, it's just going to be good for, for football in this, in Great Britain um, as a whole, really, them them getting into the Euros. And then the scenes of them celebrating look so great as well. So happy for them. Yeah, what about you, Nancy? This is a, a massive moment, isn't it? Yeah, I, I, yeah, I'm really happy for them. Um, and my dad is Northern Irish, so I think I'm going to use some of that dual heritage and at the Euros. <laughs> if, if England aren't great, I've got a second team to, to cheer for, which is always useful. Um, but yeah, like buzzing for them. Like Nat said, the celebrations looked like a laugh as well, so they're obviously really happy. Definitely, I love that idea. <laughs> You've got another team to cheer for because with things going the way they are for um, for England as well, you know it 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 always helps to have an extra team. <laughs> um, 
Switching things up now a little bit, um, the Scottish Women's Premier League returned earlier this month. The league was postponed for three months due to COVID-19 restrictions. Um, and, you know, listeners, if, you, if you're if you not clued up about it, you need to recognise about this because the title race really is one to watch. And after the games over the weekend, Rangers are on top only by goal difference. They've got the same number of points as Glasgow City and Celtic are clinging on um, a couple of points less in third. So this season, um, you know, just looking at, um, the Scottish Women's Premier League um, in a little bit more depth because we've not spoken about it before on the podcast. Um, this season, we've seen massive improvements from Rangers. Um, they finished the 2019 season fourth. Um, and in July of 2019, the club announced a significant commitment to women's football by integrating their teams more fully into its operations and providing further financial support with the aim of becoming professional. Um Nancy, do you think that this is just another case of a big club taking their women's team finally more seriously? I think so. Yeah, I think the WSL has shown, um, you know, that if you've got kind of a men's club that can invest and puts puts the resources in, then you can um, succeed pretty quickly in women's football just because, you know, there, there aren't that many teams that do it. Um, so I think it's yeah Rangers are a, are a massive team and I think it's it's really great because I think women's football in Scotland has often kind of gone under the radar like obviously you've had such amazing players in in the WSL like Kim Little and Caroline Weir but um, yeah it, kind of the league itself up in Scotland has been quite under the radar so I think it's really good that that Rangers are you know there's a bit of competition going on there now. Yeah, I, I agree. It is great to see. Um, I mean, I will say no club has ever won the men's and women's title. They are looking pretty sharp, Rangers. Um, and they definitely invested well over the winter break. They made three signings of Kirsty Howard, Rachel McLaughlin and Sam Kerr, obviously a different Sam Kerr, um, who were all actually from Glasgow City. So they've just robbed three of their players. You know, you pair this with the arrival of Jamaica international Chantal uh, Swabe just before the league was suspended. And, you know, you've got the likes of former Manchester United player Lisiana. Nat, do you think that Rangers, do, do you think that they've got what it takes? Because like I say, you know, they're on 24 points level with Glasgow, Celtic with, with 19 points, not too far behind. But do you think they've got what it takes? Yeah, definitely. I think, um, like what Nancy just said, they're investing, they're a big team, and they'll want to win that league, you know, like you say, the first men and women's team to win it, it'll be, you know, making history. So for me, they'll they'll be pushing to to definitely do that. Obviously, you know, I'm going to say I'm a little bit of bias, but Liziana, I've got a rep for Rangers because she's ex-Man United. She's won a, a, the championship with us, took us up, came in the Super League. Um, so... For me, I'm going to be back in the Rangers to, to win it. Um, but obviously, you know, they need the experienced players to get them over the line. And Glasgow do have experience of winning titles. So it's it's going to be a tough one. But, you know, up the Rangers for me. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, I, I talk about all those signings. Glasgow did not sit idle. You know, respect to these clubs because they have been very busy. Um, they also brought in, you know, such a wide variety of talent, um, including Costa Rica's Priscilla Chinchilla. That is her actual real name for those thinking like, oh my, that is such a cool name. Um, I'm, I'm literally all here for it. Um, you've also got, you know, South Africa's Ode uh, Dilu. Apologies if I said that one wrong. Um, you know, leading the front line. You've then got Sweden's Julia Malin, Iceland's Anna Asgrimsdottir. Again, my apologies, my Icelandic. Uh, pronunciation is not great um, and Republic of Ireland's Neve Farrelly um, as defensive signings they've also got former Hibs player Kaylin Mitchie um, she'll finally be able to make her debut obviously now um, because she signed her pre-contract from a Swedish team back in October she's been waiting a while um, Nancy does the amount of signings that Glasgow have made also show that Glasgow have responded really well to Rangers and they're not necessarily looking to give up their run of 13 years yes listeners 13 years at the top winning leagues without a fight yeah it's probably come as a bit of a shock to them that yeah. they've suddenly <laughs> got this team who are 
um, you know, signing all these players and actually kind of putting up a bit of a challenge. Um, I think um, it, it's going to be really interesting because I think Glasgow can still make those signings and they've got kind of that prestige of having competed in the Champions League before and having won all those titles. So they've, you know, they're kind of able to pull their weight and and also sign players to make sure they can still compete with Rangers. Um, so yeah, I don't think they're going to give it up easily. Definitely not. Yeah, it will be so interesting to see how this one ends. And also if Rangers do win, how Glasgow are going to respond next season as well. Um, and, you know, mentioning Celtic, they've also been busy during the winter break. They did lose um, two Spanish players in Anita Marcos and Brenda Lopez Castellano. Um, also, American Summer Green. But they've got four new arrivals. Um, they've rocked up in the shape of Welsh international midfielder Anna Philby um, and three attackers, um, including Ireland's um, Izzy Atkinson. And again, it's going to take me a minute to make sure I get her name right because I have seen interviews where she says nobody can get her name right. So we've also got Australia's Jacinta Galabarici. I think I've said that right. Um, and American Mariah Lee. Nat, do you think the arrival of so many players for these three teams and other teams, but, you know, all of these players from all over the world, really, I think that sends a message that while Scotland may not have you know, these signings, no disrespect to them, but they may not necessarily be the world's greatest stars, but they're still attracting worldwide players to Scotland. Do you think that it proves that this is still an attractive place to be playing your football? Yeah, 100%. I think Jacinta was in um, West Ham for a bit and she went over to Italy yeah. and now obviously she's come to, to Scotland. And I just think all these players are coming from all over the world. You know, I think it will be a, won't be a matter of time. The more these three teams keep investing, you might see some more players going, you know, south of the border, up north. Um, and it's just adding that extra sort of dynamic extra places to go and play your football for these players, more development. It's it's going to be great for, you know, British football, as I was saying, as a whole. And, you know, having a competitive Scottish league will be good for, for the WSL, you know, more talent coming up there might come down and, and, and vice versa. Yeah, it, it really is, you know, so exciting. Um, and like I say, everything really is still to play for. So, um, you know, going back to April 4th, um, you know, Rangers got a big 6-0 win. Um, Glasgow City managed to cause Celtic their second defeat of the season with a 3-0 victory. Um, and then this weekend, the wins just kept coming. Um, I mean, Glasgow City managed to keep up with Rangers. They beat um, 4 Far Farmington at seven goals to nil. Fulu Tadilu netted a hat-trick on her debut for Glasgow. Massive congratulations to her. And also to Julia Malin, who also got her first goal. Um, Nancy, do you think that this win and the 6-0 win the weekend prior just shows how seriously they're taking this race? For sure. Uh, yeah, I think um, it's almost kind of like they're trying to one-up on each other. Yeah. Um, it's kind of like one team does something and the other team is like, oh, I can do that like even better. Um, and there's kind of that consistent, you know, neck and neck in the title race. I don't think, like we were saying before, I think Glasgow will, will want to keep on winning the league and then Rangers will be really... I think, hyped up about winning a first league and, and kind of justifying that investment that has been put into the team. Um, so, yeah, it's going to be really interesting. Yeah, it, and I think also that incentive of the men's and women's teams both winning the league, it, it would be massive. Um, I mean, Rangers got a 5-0 victory over Spartans. Celtic also um, got a win over Hearts, three goals to nil. And as I said earlier, um, it is tight at the top. Nat, who's realistically getting those two Champions League spots? Do you is your money on Rangers and Glasgow, or do you think Celtic could surprise maybe if one of those teams slip up? I think it's sort of set now. I think um, like when Nancy's saying, this teams were going toe for toe, um, Rangers and uh, Glasgow City. So I think uh, it's going to be top two them two. It's just which order, I suppose, and. That'll give Celtic encouragement. They shouldn't feel, you know, down about it. They should think, you know, well, this is the level that we need to be at next year. And, you know, they'll put even more investment in, I'm sure, in the summer to make sure that they are in the Champions League uh, next year. Yeah, it's, um, like I say, all very, very exciting. Um, 
and just you know another example of how much the women's game is growing um going into our um hot topic now it is the 10th anniversary of the women's super league this week um and to kind of celebrate and mark this occasion the fa will be opening a hall of fame um so on tuesday it marked a decade since the league was launched one of the first games, Arsenal beat Chelsea 1-0. Um, and since then, you know, there's been four champions. Arsenal, Chelsea, Liverpool, Manchester City have all won it. Um, Nancy, since the Women's Super League began, um, if you can think back, you know, that that far, um, what do you think has been the one major change that has stood out for you? Or maybe the one thing that has improved the most? Yeah, I think I mean I can actually remember watching the first match. Yeah, um, on BT Sport, like I do remember that, and I think for me it's the visibility of it. Um, whether that is kind of the crowds that are going to the stadiums or, or the people that want to watch women's football, or just kind of the knowledge of players. Like I think most people, majority of people now know who like Lucy Bronze are. They know who Ellen White are. Uh, they there's. Um, you know, football on TV that they can watch. There's more journalists writing about it. There's, you know, kind of, it's, it is quite hard to not know about women's football now. So I think for me, that's the biggest change because back when the WSL started, it was very much kind of, you know, smaller crowds. Um, it was on BT Sport, but I think it was kind of less accessible and less written about. And compared to now, it's, you know, it's, it's really hard to ignore it. Yeah, definitely. I agree. And I think especially this year with, you know, the news about um, the broadcasting deal and everything, I, I agree definitely. Like the visibility is just insane. Um, Kelly Simmons, the FA's Women's Professional Game Director, has spoken about the anniversary and the Hall of Fame, but she also touched on refereeing, which I thought was interesting. Um, obviously, these broadcasting deals she was talking about, it's meant that there are some what she called nice problems to have, um, things like quality of pitches, etc. Um, and one thing that we've discussed um, quite a lot on the podcast is refereeing. Um, you know, we were told that there wouldn't be any major changes for around three years due to a lack of funding, etc. But Simmons has said we've got an announcement probably in the next week or so around an uplift in that area. And an uplift, I'm not too sure. That to me, I'm thinking plastic surgery. So I'd, 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 <laughs> I'm not really sure what she's talking about there. But she touched on the fact that with the new investment coming in, they should be investing in all areas, which gives you a feeling that refereeing should surely come into one of those areas. But again, this word uplift, are we just kind of sticking a plaster on something or are we actually going to see some serious changes? Um, Nat, what do you make of this? And what's the one thing you would like to see or the main thing that you'd like to see happen regarding refereeing? make them professional um refereeing is the most uh oh, infuriating topic when i talk about women's football there's a lot of infuriating topics yeah and i love it i love this game but there's you know pitches this and that but refereeing i mean a, a good referee can make or break a game really um i think we've seen it even with all these var's and this and that don't want to see var coming in but a good ref can definitely make or break a game especially when it's like simple decisions and you know handballs and you know penalties that are outside the box and you just oh it just ruins the whole game and if they could do something to, to raise the standards whether it's making them professional because that's what a lot of people are talking about now all aspects are professional you know tv deal journalists they, everyone's interested all the supporters clubs people piling into the stadium you know the money that's coming in the investments there so now it's time to put a bit of that money towards uh, the referees and, and raise that standard yeah, I, I agree. It's, it is frustrating, 100%. And like I say, we've talked about it before and something definitely needs to happen. I just hope that it's the right thing because I, obviously they've got this investment so I can understand why maybe saying, oh, it's going to be three years, maybe that's, you know, lessened. But I just hope that it isn't a situation where it's kind of like, yeah, we'll make it seem like everything's been sorted, but it isn't necessarily. So fingers crossed for that one. Um. Going back to the Hall of Fame, um, you know, this is going to be open to recognise the significant contributions made during the last 10 years. Um, Simmons said, it's a chance for us to showcase the players, managers and officials who have made outstanding contributions in terms of the WSL. 
Um, there's set to be an expert panel and the first inductees will be announced before the season begins. Um, so I was looking on the BBC Sport website. They already um, had a vote going for who is the greatest player in the 10 years of the Women's Super League, which is such a tough question. So there were quite a few candidates, but I thought we'll go through uh, some of them and see maybe who would get our vote as the greatest. So some of the names that were mentioned, obviously Lucy Bronze, she won FIFA's Best Women's Player of the Year award in 2020. She's played with Everton, Liverpool, now Manchester City. Um, another player was Rachel Yankee. She was one of the Women's Super Leagues, I would probably say like first kind of established stars. Um, and, you know, she was one of England's most high profile players. Um, and, you know, obviously Nancy for you, you know, at Arsenal, she must have been um, a name that you, uh, that was really kind of prominent in your mind as an Arsenal fan. Yeah. Yeah, I definitely, I think she, when I was a kid, um, she was like the one that everyone knew. And I, re I remember going to like an FA Cup final, I think it was against Leeds at like Millwall. I want to say like 2005 or 2006. And she scored like an amazing free kick. And I remember just thinking like, yeah, I want to be like Rachel Yankee when I grow up. Oh, <laughs> I love stories like that. Um, also, you know, like some of the other players, Ellen White, um, I think she's just a great example of a player who she just plays so well no matter where it is. She's been so prolific, not only for Arsenal and Manchester City, but, you know, Notts County and Birmingham City as well. You've got Farrah Williams, um, only one or two players to play more than 150 times for England. She was so vital in Liverpool's Women's Super League title winning seasons. Obviously, the second woman to make more than 150 appearances for England is, of course, Jill Scott. She's had a great career at Everton and Manchester City. Um, another player is Alex Scott. I think she was probably arguably already established by um, the time that the Women's Super League was rolled out, but she was still a massive part of Arsenal's 2012 um, title-winning team. And also, there's been a lot of conversation recently. I saw something on social media that she could be taking over um, Football Focus, which is so, so exciting. Um, you've, of course, got Vivian Miedema, an absolute superstar, um, who is the Women's Super League's all-time leading scorer. I mean, you don't really need to say much more than that, do you, um, for her to be a candidate? You've got Ji So Yun. She was probably one of the most important overseas arrivals, I would say. Um, and her appearances in the league are the most by any non-British player. Um, and she's already helped Chelsea, you know, to three titles. There are lots of names, as I've just mentioned, obviously names like Karen Carney, Jilly Flaherty, um, Steph Horton, Fran Kirby, Kim Little, Nikita Paris. Um, the official winner was Miedema. Second was Steph Horton. Third was Lucy Bronze. But I wanted to ask you both. I'll start with you, Nancy, because it seems like there were a lot of Arsenal names in the mix there. Um, so who wins it for you? Um, and also, is there a player that you think will be a big part of the next 10 years, perhaps, um, that are maybe already playing and maybe don't really get into the cut for this, these 10 years that we've had, but maybe for the next 10 years? Yeah, I mean, this is such a hard question, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Um, I think I disagree with that, the winner of the BBC poll. I don't think it should be Miedema. Um I mean, she is the all-time leading scorer, but for me, I think I'd pick someone that has consistently been in the league or, or nearly consistently, um, kind of the whole 10 years. Like, so I think I'd go with Lucy Bronze um, just as well because of her kind of, the way she's just been such a good ambassador for the league as well. Um, like, she, you know, she's played for um Everton Liverpool and City and she's you know won all these accolades and she's just kind of been the showing the best of English football and, and gone away to Leon and been so successful there and, and come back again and I think for me it's um yeah it's got to be her um in terms of a future star I think there's uh Caroline Weir is probably like one of my favorite players at the moment and she's mm. not really young but I think she could definitely you know for the next 10 years definitely kind of make a mark and then I, I feel like I'm probably going to steal Nat's answer here but um, I'd, <laughs> I'd say Lauren James 100% because she's 100%. she's so young like she's you know making she's already making these records like the first WSL goal for Man U first goal at Old Trafford um, and she's such a good player that I can't you know she's definitely going to have an amazing career 
So yeah, she's. I think she's definitely going to become a legend. Hundred percent. Um, Nat, mm-hmm. how how about you? Who who wins it for you for the last ten years, and who um, are you looking at for the future? For me, I think Farrah Williams. I think the fact that she's won the title at Liverpool, but then you know she's um, come to Reading. Reading are up there, top side. She's still out uh, around about promoting it. Um, coach now with the Lionesses, you know, one of the first ones to, you know, uh, you talked about 150 times for England and like her story of like being homeless and then playing for England and doing all this. I just think she's shown like she's gone from like that homeless stage to, to the, to the, one of the top um, appearances for England, you know, it's just, and now being in the fully professional league promoting it 10 years, I think she'd have to win it. But if I had to say, I'm going to say it again, uh, I know Nancy's just said her name, but Lauren James, for me, when I started supporting Man United um, and getting interested more and more in the league, for me, she's exceptional. She's a generational talent. I know that those are words that I said, uh, but I've never seen someone do some things with the ball that she can do. You know, I'm talking men and women, you know. Now, I think she's absolutely different class. She's breaking all these records. She's only 19. I just think in 10 years' time, you know, she'll be 29 and we'll be talking about her Ballon d'Or and uh, just the things that she can do. Like I said, it, it, it excites me just talking about her. So for me, when she's retiring, oh, she's going to have the accolades. The, it's going to be a lot of medals. <laughs> oh, I can't wait. And I hope it's all of United, you know, stays here forever. Um Because she makes it worth it. You know, as a fan, when you want to go to games, you want to see Lauren. You want to see Lauren James. She's the one who makes you get out of your seat because you just your mouth's open and just amazed. And you know she's going to break down them barriers because I remember when her. Sorry, I'm going on, but I remember when her <laughs> and Reese Reese was in Wigan and he was scoring forty yard scream and she would score it. And there'd be that that one up and like Reese has made his debut now. She wants to do it and I just think like you say some of the things that she's going to do are just going to be amazing and I can't wait to see what she's going to be like in ten years. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I agree definitely. I think looking at who is going to be that kind of trailblazer in the next ten years, I would definitely go with Lauren James. Um, I think also Chloe Kelly at the moment is standing out to me um, as somebody who has so much potential for the future, and I am really excited to see what she does. Um, but yeah, looking at who wins it for me. It's a tough one because I think Farrah Williams was a name that always stood out to me. Maybe because my cousin's called Farrah, I don't know. <laughs> but um, I think Rachel Yankee definitely um, is up there for me personally. And I also think that Jisoo Yun, just having that title of having the most appearances by any non-British player, um, you know, I think players like her really do kind of open things up, you know, for other internationals that have come through. Um, But yeah, I think for me, I would probably go with Rachel Yankee just because when you see that name, you think of the Women's Super League, um, you think of some of the success that Arsenal have had. And yeah, I I think she would probably be it for me. Um, But yeah, like I say, Lauren James... Chloe Kelly as well, because I don't want to be too biased. Um, I'll go with the City players, be nice. Um, but yeah, um, but you know, it, it's all really exciting. And I think, you know, just to finish things off, um, start with you, Nat. What are your hopes for the next 10 years of the Women's Super League? Not only Manchester United winning some <laughs> silverware and Lauren James winning the Ballon d'Or. What other hopes have you got? Yeah. No, I want to see, like I've said, professional referees, better stadiums, better pitches for the girls to play on. But this is across everyone, not just, you know, Man United at Old Trafford. I want to see all teams, you know, I want to see Durham maybe come up into the Super League and and go and do great things. But I just want to see the attendance rise. I want to see it, you know, side by side. You know, we're all so passionate about men's football. And I want to see more passion, more talk, more excitement. Like you say, I want to see kids and and people like me just saying, oh, did you see Lauren's goal last weekend? But then I want you to say, did you see Rashford's goal? You know, I want us to talk about them. On that same them. level. On that same excitement level. And uh, that's what I can see happening. You know, Sky are bringing it in and, you know, Super Sundays are going to have men and women. So for me, I just think that hype, that excitement level 
that's what I'm more, most excited for and I want to see it then raise the standards, you know, for, for fans, for, for players, for coaches, for, for everyone. And, you know, Lionesses then hopefully winning the World Cup and all that, that will all raise it. And it's just going to be so exciting to see where this league can go in the next 10 years. Definitely. How about you, Nancy? Yeah, I think very similar. Um, I'd like to see quite sustainable growth, I think. So, you know, we, we're getting those massive crowds and big stadiums but we're also making sure I think things like refereeing um and kind of you know making sure it's done you know I think we want it to be as big as men's football but maybe without some of the negative sides Mm. um so yeah kind of just done in a sustainable way and making sure that you know it goes down to the championship goes down to grassroots football and there's like really kind of good development opportunities for women and girls to get into football so it kind of just you know I think if the WSL does well, we need to make sure that it's doing well for all of women's football. Um, so, yeah, that's kind of my main hope for the next 10 years. Yeah, um, I, I would probably agree with both of you. I think for me as well, I would really love to see a lot more work towards um, a more a more equal pay. Um, and I'm hoping that, you know, over the next 10 years, the growth of women's football, you know, we've talked on the podcast before about the predictions that have been made that it's going to be on the same level in the UK as, you know, cricket and rugby and things like that. And I just hope that that the pay is kind of reflected in, in this. Um, I'd also love to see, you know, we maybe will see it happen with Chelsea this season. I'm not too sure. But, you know, looking at, at Europe, I'd love to see a WSL team, you know, be lifting the Champions League, um, if we don't see it happen this season, I'm sure we'll probably be seeing that sometime soon. But yeah, I mean, there's so many things. I think just the progression that we've seen even in the last couple of years, um, for just that to continue and just be magnified times 100, I think. Um, and like what you said, Nat, you know, to see people at the grounds, um, you know, supporting, uh, you know, from a personal point, seeing Manchester United women's team playing at Old Trafford, you know, I, I want to see more stuff like that. Do you know what I mean? Like you, you get to see the the under twenty ones and stuff. You know, playing big games there. You know, the the women's team should be playing more games there, not just the big ones. You know, um. Mm, so yeah, sure. I, I'm I'm very excited. Um, and I think obviously a big happy birthday to the women's Super League. And um, yeah, let's see what the next ten years have got. So that's everything for this week's Women's Football Podcast. As always, a massive thanks to my guests, to Nancy and Nat for joining me. And to all of you guys for listening. As always, if you do want to get in touch, it is podcast at onefootball.com. And if you want to listen to all of the other podcasts that we have, do not forget to head to like to Apple Music, Spotify, SoundCloud, etc. Wherever you listen to all of your podcasts, really to hear more from OneFootball. Football.